Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. going to be a great morning. Again, thanks for being here. Um, I've been privileged with the opportunity to speak this morning, and so if you're going to take notes or you want to make some mental notes or whatever, this morning I want to um, title this talk, Winning the Battle for Your Mind. Winning the Battle for Your Mind. And see, I think this battle that I'm talking about this morning that is in our mind is something that every single person deals with, maybe on different levels, but we all deal with it so we're not alone this morning. And this battle actually consists of two opposing thoughts. One is faith. Can you say faith? Oh, all right, that was, uh, that was all right. Can you say faith? And say fear. Faith and fear. These are the two opposing thoughts that are always at war. They're at a constant battle in our head, and we always gravitate to one or the other. And I want to talk about this battle that goes through our mind every single day. You know, the thing between these two opposing thoughts of faith and fear is sometimes we wake up and we're full of faith, believing that, you know, God's going to do something amazing today, and we know that he's with us. And then moments later in that day, we can be covered in doubt. We can be full of anxiousness, and we can wonder, God, do you even hear my prayers? Anybody feel like that before? You wake up, and you're like, you're excited for an opportunity, and you're going to crush the day, and it's going to be awesome. And other moments, you're like hiding in the corner, avoiding people, like, oh, I can't do this. Our, our mind fluctuates all day long. There's actually a battle that's happening. And I want to let you know that you can actually win that battle this morning. God's word speaks directly to this topic. So that's what we're going to talk about. But when I think about the word battle, like a battle in my mind or a war that's happening in my mind, when, I, when we use those words, um, our brain normally goes to something else. So maybe through education or through family members, we've learned about kind of tragic historical moments of like World War One and Two and, and a bunch of other wars that have happened. Or maybe Maybe you think of like UFC. There's like this like Hollywood star that like got in the ring. What's his name? Um, I don't remember his name. I don't watch UFC because I know that I can never do that. <laughs> um, so um, I, I, when I think of war, I don't think of like a battlefield. I don't think of like a UFC ring. Or sorry, I do think about those things. Some any any hockey fans in the room? Maybe you think of the arena, right? And you're like, when my team's going to war. Any? Where are the Canadians fans? Are there any in here? One, two, all right, one and a half. <laughs> um, it's like when your favorite team is going to war. You know when you're in the stands, you've got the war paint on, you're bringing the flag. Like I, when I used to go to soccer games with my dad at, at the, uh, what is it called, BMO Field, um, they would have a section where you could pay more money and you could bring your own drum. It was like people would bring their own drum and they would always sit in behind the opposing team's goalie and it was like so intimidating. I'm like, they like sharpen their teeth and stuff. <laughs> it, was, it was nuts, right? When we think of battle or war, these are the things that are kind of in our everyday life. We don't tend to think about a battle and our mind in the same conversation. We don't tend to think about that at all. But as we study the scriptures, and we're going to talk a little bit from both scripture and science because they actually work hand in hand this morning, both actually conclude that most of the battles we face in life are not on a field, in a ring, or an arena. They're actually won or lost in our mind. So if we look at the New Testament, we come across this guy named Paul. Can you say Paul? 
Now, if you know about Paul in the New Testament, you know that um, before he met Jesus, his job, okay, his career was to go around looking for people like you and me that went to church on Sunday and murder us. Boom. I know the kids in the room is like, this went from one to a hundred real quick. This was, this was Paul's job and he loved it. Like he was not into religion. He was not into God. He was into making himself God. Okay. So Paul's job was to find Christians and end them. He wanted to end Christianity. Okay. He wanted to end Judaism. He wanted to end all that kind of stuff. And if we read later in the New Testament, we see that Paul actually has an encounter face-to-face with Jesus that completely and radically changes his life forever. And now in the New Testament, we have about 13 books that are accredited to Paul's writing, Paul the Apostle. And in these writings, we see how Paul himself, okay, sometimes we look to the scriptures and we're like, man, those are like superhumans. But like, if you look at Paul's testimony, you look at his story, you would see that he was just a broken man, had an encounter with Jesus, Jesus totally flips his life around, and he talks about, when he writes these letters to the churches that are dealing with problems, he talks about the same problems he actually dealt with and how he actually was able to work through them by the power and grace of God. So if we went to Romans 7, 15, this is what Paul says. And I actually preached on this a couple weeks ago for a little point. We're going to go deeper into it today. He said this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Isn't that confusing? Like, doesn't that sound like Paul was going, like, one day he wakes up, he's like, God, I'm not going to sin today. I'm not going to think those thoughts. I'm, I'm going to be faithful. You know, I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to work hard. And then a couple hours later, he's like, how did I end up here? I don't like doing this. And then he tries again. And I know I'm going off the camera. And he, he's over here. And he's like, oh, man, I, I'm going to stay faithful today. Like, I got this. I'm, I'm on a good track record. I haven't had a donut in three days, Lord. And I know you want me to stay on the diet. And then you go over here and like, but Lady Glaze just opened up in town. Lady Glaze. Has anybody been to Lady Glaze? yet downtown okay i'm not gonna lie when i first went i bought a dozen i didn't buy one i bought a dozen and if you bought one donut you got a surprise extra donut for a dollar and i was like yes lord you know the desires of my heart it was so good my body rejected me very shortly after but has anybody had those moments that you're like i mean this is what i'm going to do lord i know that you've asked me to do this and then later in the day you find yourself on the opposite side like how did i end up doing this again I always do what I hate doing. Paul had a battle that was happening in his mind. But if we continue to read in the New Testament, we read in Paul's writings how things changed for him. So in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, it's going to be our main scripture verse for today. You can follow along on the Sky Bible on the screen there. Um, It says this starting in verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. He's talking about a different battle here. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. Can you say demolish? No, not like, not like you're like, oh, demolish. Like demolish is a strong word. Like, like give some volume this morning. Demolish. Demolish. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Those are some bold words. I love Paul. He's like one of my favorite people in the Bible because he's just so bold. He doesn't hang behind the bush. He's like, this is just the way it is. This is what God has told me. And I'm going to try my best to be faithful to him. And God, please help me. He's so amazing. Okay. So maybe you read that today and you're like, stronghold. That's not a word that we maybe use in our vocabulary every day. What does that really mean when you think stronghold? 
And there's an author, Neil Anderson, who's wrote this book called Victory Over Darkness. It's kind of some of the inspiration that we've had as we've worked through a bunch of different topics over the last month or so here at Bethel. And um, the author, Neil Anderson, he writes this when talking about strongholds. Once your consideration of a temptation triggers an emotional response leading to a choice, you will act upon that choice and own that behavior. People who study human behavior tell us that if you continue to repeat and act for six weeks, you will form a habit. If you exercise that habit long enough, a stronghold will be established. Once a stronghold of thought and response is entrenched in your mind, your ability to choose and to act contrary to that pattern is very difficult. So let me give you a little bit of a roadmap. You start out with a thought. That thought triggers an emotional response. That response now gives you a choice, A or B. From that choice, you end up making an action. You choose one of those paths. If you make that action enough times, it creates a habit. All of us that know that when we go to Lady Glazed, we have that habit, right? We have that maybe, you know, I'm not going to say bad habit because I don't want to run that store down. They just opened because it's really good. But maybe we don't need a donut every single day. So we have thought, emotional response, choice, action, Action leads to a habit after it happens so many times. And then after a habit exists for so long, it creates a stronghold. Okay? So it starts with a thought, and it can end up at a stronghold. And a stronghold can be a good place, but it also can equally be a really bad place. Does this sound familiar to anybody? When I say the word stronghold and I, I map it out like that, or like, yeah, I know. I know what kind of strongholds that I have. Can you relate to that? Do you still struggle with certain thoughts? Do you still struggle with certain actions or sin that's been like years and years and years? And you wake up and you pray, Lord, please help me to get by this day. I'm just going to try my best. And, and you try and map out your day so you don't end up in that with that crowd or with those people or thinking those kinds of things. And you, you find yourself over on this spot Anyways, I know I'm there all the time. Strongholds is exactly how the devil schemes. Strongholds is how the devil schemes. And he wants to make you feel that you can never break through a stronghold. He wants to convince you with a lie that you will never see the light of day. He wants to convince you that he's got his hands on you and you're not going to be able to get them off. He wants to convince you that there's nothing that you can do. You've tried for years to break this stronghold. You've tried for years to break this habit. You've tried for years not thinking about that thing. But you always do. And today, he wants to convince you. But I'm here to tell you today that God wants to convince you otherwise. He wants to convince you otherwise. God's word tells us something different. That the battle in our mind is not, it's not fought with the weapons of this world. But it's actually by his divine power that we can, can you say demolish? Demolish strongholds. When I think of the word demolish, here's what first comes to my mind. One of my best friends, Mike, he has a son. And uh, when he was just a toddler and parents in the room, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And kids, you're not going to remember, but this was you. Okay? Anybody that had Lego at home and you were a mom or dad or guardian, you would build a tower out of Lego. And you try and make it strong enough to see if you're... It, you know, if your toddler or your kid would be able to break it all. And you always lost. And they always broke it. Broke it. So when I think of demolish, I think of my friend Mike's son 
knocking over my Lego tower, no matter how big I put it together, it's not that it just broke in half or that it was just moved to the side or just fell over. He destroys it, and it goes everywhere, and then you forget that piece of Lego on the ground that you've cleaned up, and you end up stepping on it later, and you remember the painful moments of that. When I think about stronghold, I think of, or sorry, when I think about demolished, I think about it being completely destroyed, and God's word says by his divine power, you can demolish your strongholds. Isn't that good news this morning? You might, you might feel like it's been years and years and years with this battle, but I'm here to tell you this morning that actually you have a divine power given to you through the Holy Spirit that can demolish, say demolish, like you mean it. You can demolish your strongholds. So if the way we think actually does have such a big impact on our decisions and the outcomes of our situations and choices, the battle in our mind has to start with that some things that we think have to change. It might not be the emotions that have to change. It might not be the actions or the habits. We have to go from stronghold to work our way all the way back to the thought. The way we think actually makes a massive difference in our life. Pastor Craig Rochelle from Life Church, a, a, a really influential great church in the States, he says this, and I'm going to be quoting him a handful of times this morning. He says, the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. The life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. And as I read that, and I listened to that earlier this week when people know, like, I know that they're not going to be able to do the job that they did, or I could do it better than them, or maybe you find it really hard to trust others, or maybe you wake up and you just dread working to that person next to that person at the office. Your brain will create a negative neural pathway in your mind and it will be much easier every day to wake up and keep taking that path. The more you think negative thoughts, the more you will live a negative life. The more you think positive thoughts, the odds are the more you will have a positive life. That's not just scripture, that's also science. So you could see it from both worlds. The Bible actually tells us the same thing in other words though. Romans 12 too, which is, this is Paul again, he says this to the church in Rome. Do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in other words, stop having toxic thoughts. Stay away from toxic thinking. Don't conform to the pattern that the way this world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or renew the way that you think. Practice staying off the path and begin to make a new one. Now, wouldn't it be just really nice if I just got up here this morning and said, you know, all those problems you have, they could be traced back to the way that you think. You're like, okay, I'm following you there. So the answer to all your problems is just stop thinking like that. Just renew your mind. Go ahead right now. Just renew your mind. Press the reset button. It's right here, right? Like, just go ahead and renew your mind. It doesn't work that way, right? Like, you don't want to hear me say that because it's not true. Me and you, we've tried that over and over and over again. But we can't just go, all right, I'm going to renew my mind. Three, two, one, now. Okay, that didn't work. It's not that simple. But here's the beautiful thing. God has actually given us, not hidden messages, but in his word, he's given us the ability to understand how to renew our mind. So I'm going to go over three different things that I think are important in the process of renewing our mind. So if, if science and the, and the Bible both say the answer to a lot of life's problems is the way we think, and we have to change the way we think, and we have to create new pathways, then we have to change the way we think, and we need to renew our mind, and we need to change the way that we think every single day, but it's not that easy. So what are the steps that I can take starting right now? 
And I don't want to pretend like this is going to fix everybody's problems. I definitely don't want to get up here and preach that because Lord knows I don't have that answer. Okay? And sometimes we have to be okay with living in the unknown, which is so difficult. Because if you're like me, I'm a problem solver, and I don't want to live in the unknown. But God has stretched me to be okay with sometimes saying, I don't have the answer to this. I don't know why. And faith comes into play there. But God has actually given us some great tools to understand how to renew our mind. So I want to focus on a few of those today. First thing I want to talk about is be honest with yourself. So I think this is where the biggest disconnect happens, especially for maybe people like you and I, people of faith, Christians. It's the disconnect happens when we're losing the battle in our mind is because we can't reason it ourself. And I said again that my personality is to be a problem solver, so I try everything I can at first to fix the issue. Um, and if it doesn't work, I end up going a little crazy by the end of the day. I get flustered. Is anybody else like that? You're a problem solver. You're like, I need to figure out the answer. Yeah, I know you, you, me and you are on the same page because when the computer doesn't work, it's like, oh, I need to break this, but it's too much money. I can't break it, right? So you end up throwing a pillow instead. Um, but be honest with yourself. The first place to renewing your mind is to realize that God knows something that I don't. You're you, I'm me, we're both not God. So our ways of thinking can be very different from our Heavenly Father. Scripture actually says exactly that. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The truth is, since we're not God, we can't understand Him on our own. But through revelation, and that word might be a little bit scary or maybe it's been confused to you, the, the word revelation really translates to if there was a curtain in front of your eyes, but there was the truth always behind that curtain, you, something is revealed. The curtain has been opened. And what that is, our revelation to understand God's ways, is the Bible. It is His Word. That's how we understand His Word better. And if understanding God's ways over our ways helps us win the battle in our mind, hubbling ourselves and going, okay, I might not know the answer to this, but God, I know that you do know the answer to this, and you can actually reveal the answer through your revelation to me, through your word. If God's ways are over our ways, it can help us win the battle in our mind. And it must lead to the conclusion that if we don't make space in our life for learning about God's way, a.k.a. the Bible, you will make space for being defeated in the battle. Let me say that again. If you don't make space for learning about God's ways, which is through his revelation, the word of God, that is the best way to get his, like, his way of thinking, to understand the ways that God thinks, to the best of our human abilities. If we don't make space for his word, we make space for defeat. Okay? If we don't make space for his word, we make space for defeat. So am I suggesting this morning that if you just read your Bible more, that you wouldn't be upset, that you wouldn't be as angry, you wouldn't feel as defeated, you wouldn't sin as much, you wouldn't be as tempted as much, you wouldn't feel as anxious? No, 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 no. doesn't work like that. Just like if you open a cookbook, you don't become a chef after you read it. You, you try and read the instructions, and you usually fail. And then you look at Pinterest, and you're like, how did they make that cake? Mine doesn't look like that. Anybody try that before? Like, you see, I, I love those little videos on, like, Instagram and Facebook. It's like, I think they're called, like, Tasty. They're, like, 60-second videos of, like, somebody throwing all the ingredients at, like, hyperspeed. And you're like, oh, I can follow that when I put it in slow-mo. And then you try, and you're like, 
there's something missing here. How come I couldn't do it? The Bible doesn't work that way. It's not a magic book that turns all your problems upside down and go, oh, now it's all rainbows and daisies. But there's actually truth in there. But here's the thing. If you never open it, okay, if you never make space for God's word, you make space for defeat in the battle. It's not about the discipline of reading. I don't want to convince you this morning that you just need to like reading. Like, like reading is actually really good for you, and we could talk about that if we wanted to, but I'm not going to try and convince you this morning that if you just read your Bible more, it would be better and all your problems go away, because that's not how the Word of God works at all. It's not about the discipline of reading. It's about what the discipline does about what you read. The, this is a living book. This is a living Word. It's not just a cookbook. It's not just a self-help book. It's not auto mechanics for dummies. It's not anything like that. There's something much deeper. Here's what's scary. According to the study done by Lifeway Research, which is, uh, I think, Ed Stetzer in the, in the States, and this was done in 2013, so it's a little outdated, but I think it's probably, I think the numbers are actually worse than this now. Um, it says that only 11% of Canadian Christians, so forget about our neighbors down south, Canadian Christians, cross-denominational read their Bible. 11% read it. 11% of us in the room, Bible-believing Christians, we tithe. We, know we have a, a sponsor child that's on our fridge. We, we're involved with kids and youth in tech ministry, and, and, and we love the Lord, and we come out to the barbecues, and, and we serve, and we do all those things. But only 11% of us make space for reading God's Word in our life. That's weird. That's weird. You know what's even crazier than that? 3% of that 11% study it. 11% of people have a good or decent, you know, way of reading the Bible every day. They're, they're disciplined to open it up and read it. 3% let it change their life. That's crazy. That's crazy. I don't think that just opening the Bible and just reading it at random or because your parents make you or any of that stuff is actually going to help change the way you think. But I think when we make room for God to speak through his word, something can change. And I don't bring that up this, this morning to make you feel bad if, if you struggle with reading the Bible. Because can, can I just be honest with you? I'm a pastor, and I still struggle with that. I don't like reading. I like watching movies. I like listening to podcasts, right? But I know that the times that I have disciplined myself and Holy Spirit has given me the strength to be in the word of God every day, my life is radically different. I don't know how to explain it to you other than when I am in the Word of God, my life is different. And when I'm not in the Word of God, things feel like hell. Like, it's, it's it, I don't know how, it's, it's not magic, but all I can say is that that's exactly what my life has been like. So if you're not in the Word of God, humble yourself, not so that you just become really disciplined at reading a book that maybe might be hard for you to read, right? Maybe you have a translation at home and you're like, I don't like reading this thing because I don't understand half the words that it's, it's talking about. There's awesome, awesome translations. NLT, New Living Translation, is a great place to start. Or the message is even a better place to start if you're brand new with reading the word. But the first step to renewing your mind is to humble yourself and go, God, your ways are higher than my ways. And your ways have been revealed through me, to me through your word. So I'm going to make space for your word. Second point I want to talk about today is to take every thought captive. So once we can humble ourselves and identify that perhaps maybe there needs to be some construction that takes part in our brain, in our mind, to make a new path or a new way to think, you have to constantly take your thoughts captive. 
even when we read one of uh, Paul's letters to the church, he said, we have divine power to demolish, say demolish, demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, which is the battle that's happening in your mind, the thoughts that you have that are going against God's ways, against God's thoughts. You take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Those are some strong language that Paul's using there. He doesn't say do something on your own to try and fix it. He says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to, to Christ by divine power. By divine power. I love this for a few reasons. Number one, because Paul explains it to us that we can take every single captive, every thought captive. Not just ones that are easy, not ones that you struggle with every once in a while. The stuff that you've been dealing with for years and years, God has said through his word, everything could be renewed. Is that not good news this morning? Every thought that you have can be renewed. Here's what I love about that too. Paul doesn't say, do everything right now. He just wants to let you know that every thought can be taken captive. Not that all have to be done right in this moment. Isn't that good news? Every thought that you have, every toxic way of thinking that's been drilled into your brain for years and years and years, God can renew by divine power and he can demolish those strongholds. I also love this because Paul reminds us that we are to make our thoughts obedient to Christ. Not obedient to us, not obedient to Pastor Carlo, not, not obedient to just a, a book. We are to make our thoughts obedient to Jesus, which means that it's not on your own strength. Whew, you feel better this morning? It's not on you. It's actually Jesus's job to renew your mind. You just got to bring those thoughts to him. I love that. Before you get overwhelmed, because I know what you're thinking is, Carlo, I've been there. I've tried. I've tried. Take every thought captive, all of those, that can start, that can start building up in your mind right now and create a headache right? I didn't bring any Tylenol, by the way, so. But Paul shares that every single thought you have can be renewed by the power of God. So I know this is going to be a little bit different, but what I want to do for 30 seconds, 30 seconds, because what I, what I don't want to do is say, you know, you meet me at the door and say, Pastor Cole, that was a great message, even though I, I really appreciate that, and it makes me feel nice. What would make me even feel nicer is that if what I'm saying actually is true, then you would take it home and do something with it. But I don't want to just you to take it home. I want us to do it right now. So whether you're watching online or you're in the room or you watch this later on, I want you to close your eyes right now. Just go ahead, close your eyes. Don't look around. This is a moment between you and God. I want you to take 30 seconds. I have a stopwatch going. Take 30 seconds, and I want you just in your mind to think about that stronghold. One's going to come to your mind right away. You know what you've been dealing with. You know the things that have been really difficult. Maybe it's been, you know, you struggle with identity. You don't believe you're good enough or strong enough or talented enough. Maybe you, you know, you deal with self-image uh, issues or there's uh, health stuff. Maybe there's financial stuff. Maybe you're constantly angry. You blow up at people real quick. Whatever it is, what's that stronghold that you've been dealing with over and over and over again? You take 30 seconds right now, every eye closed, and you bring that to Jesus, and you just ask Jesus Renew my mind. That's it. 30 seconds. Go ahead.
That's all it takes. This is the first step. 30 seconds. In real life, when that thought comes to your mind, not when you're trying to think about it, in that very moment, you don't, have a, you don't necessarily always have control about what you think, but you do, have a contr- you do have control on what you do. And I know it's difficult, but in that moment, don't start with changing your actions or your habits, or your strongholds. Meet your thought right at the beginning and say, Jesus, I know that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Meet me in this moment. Help me renew my mind. That's not a, those, are not, those are not a few magical words that just change everything. But the more that we do that, we begin to create a new path. It's like going for a hike, right? We've all been stuck indoors, and we've liked to get outside and go for walks. And when you go for a hike in the forest or the trails, you always take the one that's always, you know, beaten down, and it's, it's ready to go. It's not that difficult. Imagine if you took a new trail. You wanted to make a new trail today. You would get cuts and bruises and poison ivy and all this kind of stuff. It would be really difficult. But if you committed to an entire year of making a new path, that old path that you always took, or, for example, that old way of thinking, it would begin to go overgrown. The bushes would get big. The grass wouldn't be stepped down or cut anymore. There would be thorns and stuff that you wouldn't want to take that path because it's actually much harder. But the new path that you've been walking in that forest, that you've been creating this new narrow pathway in your mind, it's going to be much easier to do. It all starts with 30 seconds of going, Jesus, just renew my mind in this moment. Renew my mind. You know, this last year has been a train wreck for a lot of people in a lot of ways. We've dealt with health crisis, financial burdens, job loss, friendship and relationship breakdowns or strains, homeschooling, anybody, right? Political arguments, conspiracy theories, so much more. When I was writing this, I said to myself, I wonder how many people have unintentionally but created toxic ways and toxic ways of thinking and paths in their minds just over this last year alone. The division, all that kind of stuff. We've created some really toxic ways of thinking, even in the church. You know, there's our extreme people on the left, our extreme people on the right. We've, We've created some really toxic ways of thinking. Renewing our mind is not just, it didn't just happen to be the chapter of the book that I'm, I'm preaching about. I think it's really relevant to this moment. So if we know that God were, God's word reveals to us the answer to the battle that's in our mind, which is to renew our mind, and we know the first step is to humble ourselves and say, God, your ways are higher than mine. The second step is to actually, look, and I forgot what I called it, but I don't want to say something different, to take every thought captive. There's a third step that I think is equally as important, and it kind of happens in this order. After you take every thought captive, you need to expose the lie and reveal the truth. You need to expose the lie and replace it with the truth. Toxic ways of thinking usually start with a lie that you were convinced was true over a period of time. Neil Anderson, the, again, the author of Victory Over Darkness, says this. Do away with fruitless fantasy. To imagine yourself doing something without ever doing it is dangerous. You will lose touch with reality. The mind cannot distinguish over a long period of time something that's been vividly imagined and something that really happened. If you tell a lie long enough, you may start to think it's true. If you tell a lie long enough, you may start to think it's true. And as I say that, I can imagine all the things that might be popping through your head of lies that you've believed over the years, whether you've told it yourself, the enemy has told you, somebody else has told you these lies, and you've actually grasped onto those things, and now your decisions are based off those kinds of lies. Once you take a thought captive in that very moment, you don't want that to develop. If you allow a thought to develop, it's far too easy to make a regrettable decision. But if we capture the thought and pinpoint the lie that is imposed on us, we can fight the lie 
with truth. Again, Neil Anderson says this, Satan's primary weapon is the lie. Your defense against him is the truth. Dealing with Satan is not a power encounter. It's a truth encounter. The battle that we're, not, that we're facing is not about being the stronger one and having a bigger weapon or the David versus Goliath story. It's not like that. Dealing with Satan is not a power encounter. It is a truth encounter. And when you expose Satan's lie with God's truth, his power is broken. This is why Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's in John 8, 32. Satan's lie cannot withstand the truth any more than the darkness of night can withstand the light of the rising sun. We, I, I love this. We are not called to dispel the darkness. We are called to turn on the light. So we take first thought, every thought captive right away. We make it obedient to Christ. I want to remind you this morning that you're actually not a prisoner to your thoughts. Like you actually hold the key to opening that door. You are not a prisoner to your thoughts. As I was preparing, I was reading and, and listening and, um, to a pastor named Pastor Craig Rochelle, who's talked about this probably much better than I can. Um, and he's got an amazing series called Winning the War in Your Mind. Um, and he goes through all the things that I talked about, but even more in depth. So if this is something that you're really struggling with today, I would, I would ask you, go to YouTube and type in Winning the War on Your Mind or Craig Rochelle War or something like that. He's got an entire book on this that I would encourage you to go and buy. It's really, really good. Um, there's a podcast where he breaks down through the chapters. Like everything is at your fingertips now, and it's basically all free except the book. And if you look hard enough, I'm sure you'd find it on Google, not that I'm... Uh, proposing that you should do that. <laughs> but in winning the war in your mind, um, he, he says this. He says, the Greek translation for take captive really actually means to take out your spear or your sword and attack. The word take captive in the Greek translation was to take out your sword and spear and attack. But isn't that like an oxymoron in comparison to what like scripture had said when, when it comes to like, you know, fighting this battle? It's not with weapons of, of this world. Where I think this is going to be eye-opening for you this morning. Ephesians 6, 10 to 17 says this. Be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Then he says this. This is Paul again, by the way. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the battle, he's talking about the battle in your mind, okay? After the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the armor, and I'd have to put another notch in my belt, but um, stand on your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith so that the fiery arrows of the devil won't hit you. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here's what's interesting. And I never really noticed this before. I've heard this preached a hundred times and I've read this many times. Um, but here's what I noticed. All of the things that Paul talks about, about God's armor, are all a defense mechanism except for the very last one. When you go to war, you're not throwing your helmet. You're not throwing your boots in hopes that that's going to, you know, defeat your enemy. You're not just like taking off your chest plate and your shield and, and throwing it there hoping that that's going to knock your enemy out. No, no, no. Those are all defense mechanisms. But the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the revelation of God, the Scriptures is actually what we can attack the enemy with. And take captive in the, Greek, in the Greek is to take your sword. 
To take captive of every thought is to use the Bible's words against the enemy's words. Isn't that good news this morning? I had never connected those dots before like that. That's a, I'm not saying for me, but that's a good amen moment right there, okay? You can make a little noise. So I want to conclude this morning because I've gone way over time. But I just want to encourage you. If you're here this morning or you're here watching online and you're like, Pastor Carlo, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm dealing with that right now. We took 30 seconds and immediately a stronghold came to my mind. I know what that is. Nobody else knows what that is, but I know what that stronghold is. Whatever that is, I want to encourage you and let you know that you can take every thought captive by the word of God, the sword of the spirit, God's revelation to you. If we are humble ourselves and say, Lord, I've tried my ways, but God, your ways are higher. So I'm going to look to your ways, which you've revealed to us in your word. I'm going to begin to take every thought captive. And today I just started with one. I'm going to take 30 seconds when that thought comes to my mind, before an emotion erupts, before a choice can be made, before an action takes place, or a habit is built, or a stronghold feels like it's stuck. Right at the moment of the thought, Lord, help me take every thought captive. And Lord, I'm going to bring that to you. Help renew my mind. And then as you ask that, you look to the word of God and you look at the opposite of how you feel. You look at the opposite of, the de- of what the devil has tricked you into believing of that lie. And you replace it with truth. And it's not just going to go away magically. It's not just going to erupt and things are going to just get better. But the more that you do that, you will begin to change the way that you think. It's not just scripture. You are wired this way. It's actually science. Okay, if you don't even believe the Bible, you can actually believe science if you want to. The way that you change the way you think is to create different pathways, just like in the forest. Create a different neural pathway. It's not about being, you know, outgoing. It's not just about being a positive person that always looks on the light of day. It's about changing the way we think, and God has given us the tools to be able to do that. So we took 30 seconds and practiced it today, but my hope and my prayer for you is that every day, when you have a toxic or negative thought that has been turned into a pattern, it feels like a stronghold. God's word said he's given you divine power through his Holy Spirit to demolish. Can you say demolish? Demolish every stronghold. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray this morning. God, I just thank you for this moment. Thank you for this morning. God, for the chance just to bring your word. And Lord, I pray that it sounds more than just a guy that looks like a teenager yelling. <laughs> but God, that these words would come alive. These words would come alive. God, I know that there's so much brokenness. And especially after this year, God, we have some toxic ways of thinking. God, and we need your help to change the way that we think. We've been thinking the way we think for far too long, and we feel stuck. So God, in this very moment, we, we audit ourselves, we audit our life, and we say, Lord, your ways are higher than my ways. I might not understand your ways, but my ways have not worked out. So God, I'm choosing in this very moment to believe you, to put my faith and my trust in you. Your ways are higher than my ways. God, and when that moment comes, would you help me? Holy Spirit, help us to renew our mind, to take every single thought captive. And your word says, every thought can be taken captive. God, would you help us replace the lie that the enemy has made us believe with the truth of what your revelation, your word says. God, help us make new pathways in our mind. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for being here this morning. Um, We got awesome stuff coming up this summer. And uh, so I just want to do a little...
promo shout out. It's irrelevant of everything I just said, um, other than you can't do these things alone, right? We've heard the theories, we're better together, but it's so true. So if you're not connected this summer, um, there's so many ways to get connected. We've got a drive-in service coming up. We've got connect groups. We've got youth stuff. We've got kids camps. We've got lots of stuff. So make sure you check the website and stay informed and tuned in um, to be connected this summer. But thank you for sitting through 44 minutes and two seconds of my sermon this morning. Um, but my hope is that the Word of God has blessed you, has helped you see um, th that you can actually conquer all the things that you're thinking of. And I uh, can't wait to connect with you later, okay? All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 